0: All right, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Sean Kushnamurti. I'm uh, senior manager of engineering in the Amazon FreeRTOS team. Uh, we just announced the, our product yesterday and I'm really excited to be here. Um, IoT 403 session talking about AWS Greengrass and Amazon FreeRTOS and how they can work together, how to get them secured, connected together, and working with AWS IoT to provide a full edge solution for IoT. Um, as a manager, they wouldn't let me do the technical stuff, so I'm just supposed to do the <laughs> intro and get out of here. So I'll try to keep it short. Uh, but before I sort of walk through our agenda and so on, quick show of hands: How many of you have used AWS IoT uh, here? All right, great. Um, 400 session. A lot of you are users. Um, how many of you have tried Greengrass? All right. Also, uh, good audience. So that's great. Um, and how many of you have done embedded microcontroller development, You know, either using FreeRTOS. Excellent, all right, we're speaking to a great crowd here. Uh, this hopefully will be very relevant for you guys. Um, so I'm really excited because we're gonna join uh, Dan and Jimmy here. We're gonna walk through a little bit of context I'll speed through it since all of you are familiar with it, and then we'll walk through a good scenario about how do we make Greengrass, FreeRTOS, and AWS IoT all work together to achieve a real-world example. So our agenda today, we'll do an introduction to AWS Greengrass and Amazon FreeRTOS for some of you who may not be as familiar. We'll talk about a scenario, you know, how do you actually get um, IoT in the real world, what's an example of how it can actually add value to people's lives, and then we're going to talk about making it work. I'll hand it over to Jimmy and Dan um, who will join us. They'll do a demo and then we'll open up the floor at the end um, for Q&A. All right? So when we think about IoT, um, we really think about it in our organization as uh, three key pieces, three pillars of IoT. Um, the things themselves, the devices that sense and act, this is where the digital meets the physical world. This is is it could be a home, it could be a factory floor, it could be a hospital. And in all of these cases is where IoT is being deployed. We look at the cloud as not only storage and compute, which uh, all of you know it provides, but in addition, it ends up being a mediator and coordinator between devices, between devices and applications, between devices and other services um, as well. But both of these are insufficient If you can't actually make sense of the data you get from it, if you can't drive improvements to the scenarios, if you want smart anything, you know, fill in the common IoT buzzwords of smart farms, smart medical instruments, anything you want, you have to make sense of that data, get meaning and intelligence out of it, Um, and that's the last piece of that puzzle. So we started two years ago. We launched AWS IoT, and we started with the cloud. We built this, some of you may have seen this diagram if uh, you looked at our uh, previous slides, and we built a message gateway. We built a message broker, a rules engine, device shadows, um, and the purpose of these was to take these embedded devices, you know, constrained devices, whether it's microcontrollers or PC class devices at the edge, and connect them to the cloud, and allow them to talk to other devices, allow them to send data to storage, S3, to DynamoDB, to send it to machine learning services, to your own custom backend services, all of these. And that was the goal. So we built a message broker supporting MQTT, a rules engine that integrates with a wide variety of AWS services, device shadows that let you synchronize state even when the device is offline. And what we did in the last two years is we've expanded this offering, right? Yesterday, we announced um, three additional uh, aspects that we've expanded on the IoT Cloud Platform. Device management, so the ability to group devices, the ability to manage them, the ability to deploy updates to them. Um, Batch provisioning. IoT Defender, that will provide, um, you know, security, analytics, device configuration. And IoT Analytics itself, which is focused on making, getting meaning out of that data. I bring this up not because we're going to focus too much time here, but just because I want to talk about the fact that all of these are the things that the edge is going to connect to and leverage when we talk about what we're going to do at the edge. So the rest of this talk, I sort of talked about these benefits already, so I'll skip past that and talk about what we're going to cover, here, which is the edge. This is where you know we are in, at home in a factory floor, devices working together, devices communicating with each other, with gateways, and to the cloud. And we're gonna focus on two things here. Greengrass and FreeRTOS and how they can talk to each other. So what is Greengrass? Um, most of you seem to be familiar with it, but it is software that runs locally. It runs on gateways, hubs, servers, um, and other even mid-size IoT devices. And it gives you local messaging, data caching, synchronization and communication. The elements of the MQTT broker, device shadows, all of that, the ability to run Lambda functions, all of that comes down locally so that you can coordinate and intercommunicate at the edge. And that really is an extension of AWS and its, the cloud processing power to the edge so that you can do what you want it to do at the edge whether you're connected or not. And the features themselves, you may have seen this slide before, You know, we have local actions, Lambdas, triggers, um, ability to authorize and secure your devices. <coughs> Yesterday, we announced Greengrass version 1.3. That actually goes from you know, four boxes to nine boxes, lots of additional features. If you're interested, you can um, go check out um, the announcements from that. Along with that, we also said, OK, we've got the edge, but there's a lot of devices at the edge. The vast majority of the billions of devices that all the analysts like to talk about in terms of IoT are microcontroller-based devices. And we wanted to make it easier for each of you to build these actual IoT devices, to make them secure, to connect them to the cloud. And it's a very diverse ecosystem. It's got a lot of um, nuance. It's got a lot of hardware specificity to it. And that makes it interesting. But it also makes it very hard because a lot of the work that um, IoT developers on devices do is undifferentiated. It's about how do I get my stack running, how do I uh, get my hardware initialized, and so on and so forth. And so we took the popular FreeRTOS kernel and built on top of it and announced Amazon FreeRTOS yesterday. Amazon FreeRTOS is a cloud-native IoT-focused microcontroller operating system that gives you an embedded real-time kernel plus additional libraries for connectivity, for communication management and Wi-Fi, for uh, security, and for over-the-air updates that'll be coming soon as well. And the goal here is faster time to market. Minimize that complexity, and free is sort of in the name, so (laughs) it had to be free and open source, no commitments at all. All of the uh, code that we have is available on our console, as well as GitHub and multiple other sources. So you can go download our code and use it to quickly communicate with a Greengrass node to AWS IoT or to any other custom service if you wish as well. It's all open and customizable. But we also worked with um, a number of hardware providers so that you don't have to think about, okay, I'm using this particular board. I have to do something you know, specific to f- fiddle with it and make connectivity work on it. We're abstracting that out. And specifically, I want to talk about the fact that We're trying to make sure that this is as modular as we can. And this is something that is not always um, easy in embedded systems, and we're trying to be very specific about saying, independent of the capabilities that each board has, when you're writing your application, you can write it in a standard way, in a portable way, and use the libraries that we have. So we're working with a wide variety of hardware manufacturers, microcontroller manufacturers, to um, get these standardized. With this, what I want to talk about is, okay, we sort of complete our Edge um, software that you can use to build your applications. How does it all come together? So we'll talk about a scenario with some, you know, 1980s graphics about hospitals, and let's assume that we've got um, a doctor and a nurse, and that's, you know, me going green because I'm sick. If I'm in there, and we want to get, you know, a heart pressure monitor that's an IoT device, maybe a temperature monitor that's an IoT device. And we want to use that. We want to use the data that is generated from that patient and multiple other patients to do something useful to enhance um, the experience. And so we would want to analyze that data. We want to pre-process it. We want to be able to do triggers off of that and maybe send notifications to the doctor. We want the nurse to be able to add additional devices and have them... You know, start operating instantly. And in order to do that, what we're going to do is make the people disappear and talk about the devices themselves. How do we want to set this up where you've got multiple IoT devices at the edge? And how do they communicate with either to each other or to aggregation um, in the form of a gateway or to the cloud to do useful things? So imagine the hospital admin sets up a zone for each of the floors that we have and uses a Greengrass core that is running as its own controller. Imagine the hospital um, uh, admin can also now use the AWS IoT services and the Greengrass services to actually connect them, as well as, say, Amazon SNS, because you could use it to send text messages, for example, to the doctor or page them, maybe a bunch of other services um, in its place. And you want to combine all of these and say, OK, I want to make something useful that's an edge solution that uses some of the cloud, but also has a lot of functionality that works um, locally. And so the rest of this session, what we're going to have uh, Jimmy and Dan walk through is how do you make a scenario like this happen? And you can sort of extrapolate from this scenario. Say, so it need not be a hospital floor. It could be a factory floor. It could be a home. It could be um, any number of places. And the topology is usually fairly similar. You've got you know, really low-power devices. You've got some mid-class devices. Um, they're communicating to each other, they're communicating to the cloud, and there are certain things that you want to decide locally with Lambda functions and certain things in the cloud. So what we're going to do here is talk about the first thing. You want the administrator to be able to set up Greengrass core, establish communication between the Greengrass core, enable us IoT. How does that happen? How does the authentication happen? How does the authorization happen? Next you want the administrator to be able to set up these devices to be part of that Greengrass group. Um, They could provision um, the devices themselves. Um, If the devices have Wi-Fi capability um, and are able to connect to the cloud, um, they could reach out and call our Greengrass service and discover the Greengrass uh, nodes that are in the local environment um, based on their group information, as well as how to connect to them, how to um, authenticate with them. And then that allows these free RTAS devices to actually connect to Greengrass and establish a trusted uh, relationship, send that message uh, message, and have Greengrass be able to send it to other devices, to aggregate it, or to even uh, send it to the cloud. And lastly, you want to take some action. right? Um, in this case, let's say there's a Lambda function running on the Greengrass itself on the core and you want it to be able to send a message to SNS if my heart rate goes up too much. Um, that requires, again, a different Uh, set of um, uh, uh, controls, so that you want to make sure every one of these, the key here is it's secure, and only uh, the people who are authorized to make these connections, the devices that are authorized to make these connections are able to do so, and that's what we're going to walk through. We're going to walk through these five arrows here that I talked about, um, and we're going to walk through how we can make those happen in uh, pretty good detail. Thank you all, and for the real stuff, I'll hand it over to Jimmy and Dan. Thanks, Jimmy.
1: So is going to help me with uh, uh, some real-time command execution as I speak to it, so you guys can see it in action. Um, Welcome, everyone. My name is uh, Jimmy Shah. I am engineering manager on AWS Greengrass team, working very closely with Shyam. Thanks, Shyam, for creating this complicated slide. Uh, took us a very long time putting it together. But hopefully, the context would really help as we navigate you guys through similar scenarios you guys might have that you want to set up in your scenario. You know, typically, connect the Greengrass core on the edge do the IoT, uh, set up how it works with cloud, and then how do you set up Greengrass core to set up the edge operations. Before I dive deep into this, I want to tell you guys that we have refreshed AWS Greengrass documentation. So uh, how many guys uh, here have tried to use Greengrass before? All right, a couple of you guys. So please feel free to go back to our documentation portal. Um, we have tried to improve our usability of Greengrass a lot, so getting started with Greengrass should be much simpler, and we welcome your feedback. Um, and uh, I'm going to kick this off with talking about cloud operations. What I'm going I'm to cover here is, the moment you get Greengrass software downloaded, how do you set Greengrass uh, Core device on your premises to connect securely to the cloud? And then how do you provision Greengrass Core to operate locally with local devices, such as Amazon FreeRTOS devices, which might be operating as the blood pressure monitor in our you know, scenario that we talked about? Before I talk about the actual steps, I want you guys to have a mental model of one-time setup and runtime setup. The one-time setup is something that you have to do um, to set things up one time, and then after that, you don't have to repeat it. As opposed to the runtime setup, that needs to happen every time you deploy a new group, and you have to redo it. It's important as I walk along, I'm going to call it out so that you know uh, the intent of this session is to demystify some of the complicated security aspects of Greengrass. So hopefully, you guys can walk out of this room feeling more confident about setting this up securely, and how do you discover the Greengrass core, and how do you connect to it locally, and set up all your edge operations. So let's get started. So the first thing, you download your Greengrass software. You open it up, go to Greengrass config folder. There's a file called config.json. In that file, there are two endpoints you have to configure. One is to point Greengrass core to AWS IoT Cloud Service, Another one is to point Greengrass to AWS uh, Greengrass uh, Cloud Service. Once you set this up, save it. The next step is for you to configure the credentials for Greengrass core. Now, this is a one-time setup that you have to do. So you will go to IoT console, create a certificate, create a policy, make sure you provide adequate permissions for IoT and Greengrass. In the demo purpose, I have given star, but we recommend you scope it down to the operations that you need. Um, activate the cert. Sometimes I forget to activate the cert, and it doesn't work, so make sure you activate the cert. Download the cert, provision on a Greengrass core, download root CF for AWS IoT, such as Symantec, provision on your Greengrass core, and provide the path to these two files in config.json, and save it. At this point, you can start Greengrass daemon, and if everything goes well, it should connect to the AWS IoT, and at this point, it is... Listening to notifications uh, such as group deployment. So at this point, you're ready to do group deployment, <coughs> except there is one more thing that needs to happen. So, for group deployment to work, what is a group deployment? So, Greengrass group deployment means a customer is trying to deploy AWS Lambda and AWS IoT devices to local, on premise, on the edge, on Greengrass Core. For that, Greengrass Cloud Service needs access to customers' Lambda and IoT Things. So for that one time, for your AWS account, we need you to set up IAM role, and we need you to associate that role with Greengrass Service. Trust Greengrass Service to assume that role, so on your behalf, we can access your Lambda, IoT Things, and deploy it down on-premises. At this point, I'm going to switch to Hat screen so we can see it in action. So here we are on AWS console. We're going to create a brand new role. Trust Greengrass. This this provides us permissions to assume this role. For your convenience, we have create a managed policy. And managed policy is a policy that's managed by us, so you don't have to specify what permissions are needed for group deployment. So you select the Greengrass managed policy, review it, Give it a name. We're going to call it demo service role for the demo purpose. Created. it. We're going to go back to the console. Everything. Select this ARN and associate this role to your account. So, next time you do a group deployment, you do one group deployment, 100 group deployments. It's a one time setup. Every time this role provides us the permissions, we need to deploy Lambda, deploy IoT devices, down to Greengrass Core. All right. Coming back to the slide. Now, you deployed your Lambda to the uh, local Greengrass Core device. Now is the time to run it. So let's say you set up some subscriptions that invokes a Lambda. In the example of hospital, let's say an anomaly is detected. And your Lambda wants to send SMS service to doctor. Uh, using Amazon SNS service. Typically, to do that, you need AWS credentials. Now, we don't want you guys to permanently store AWS credentials on your Greengrass Core device. Assume you have thousands of devices and that's gonna be um, a maintenance nightmare. Also, it's not a good security practice. So we have created another uh, API for you where you can create yet another IAM role, scope in this particular case, scope down the permissions, operations that your Lambda needs to perform. So in our example, we just want to talk to Amazon SNS. So we will create an IAM role, which is going to have access for Amazon SNS service, and now you can associate that role to that group. So now you deploy as many Lambdas you want to that group, it will only have permissions to access Amazon SNS service. The good thing about this is, this is also a one-time configuration per group, which means that once you do this, after that, no matter how many times the Lambda is invoked, Automatically, the credentials here are exchanged, and we assume that role to access AWS service for you. So at this point, we're going to switch back to Red Screen, and we're going to show you how to uh, create, attach an existing IAM role uh, to your group ID. So you go do AWS Greengrass associate role to group. You provide the group ID, provide the role R, and there you go. It is associated with this. After that, if the lambda rising book. It's going to assume this role to access Amazon SNS service. Okay, so what we reviewed so far, to recap, we talked about how you get Greengrass software. You download it, configure it to connect to Amazon AWS IoT, AWS Greengrass service. And then you authorize Greengrass service to deploy on your behalf. And you authorize Lambda to talk to whatever Amazon AWS operations that Lambda needs to perform. So that's between Greengrass core and cloud. Now I'm going to switch the gears, and I'm going to talk about dive deep into edge operations. So on the edge, Greengrass Core needs to create a server certificate. The server certificate is the certificate that Greengrass Core presents to local devices, such as the devices such as blood pressure monitors running Amazon FreeRTOS. Now, when a group is deployed, successfully deployed, Greengrass service on the cloud automatically creates a unique root CA on your behalf. Now, this is important. If you think about a lot of servers out there, they use third-party root CA, Semantic, Verisign, Google. In this case, we have taken security at the next level. We create a unique root CA per group. And in the best practices slide that's coming up later, I'm going to talk about why that is so more secure and that puts you in control. When you have thousands of Greengrass core devices to control, this actually comes in really handy. Once that root CA is created, Greengrass core Automatically creates a server certificate, sends it to cloud, gets it signed, gets back a signed certificate provisions <laughs> on the on the device and keep in mind guys you, do, you, you don't have to physically be there to do this the, the, what we talked about in the in the previous session about connecting to cloud one time setup is done, all this is managed for you so all the pain of configuring Greengrass core certificate, getting server certificates signed. Um, is all taken away from you, and we manage it for you. Not only that, we actually give you some knobs to, to for your particular use case. We let you configure the validity of this certificate anywhere from seven days to 30 days. Now, we do recommend to keep it as small as possible so that your server certificate is rotated quite often. It's the best security policy that we uh, advise. In the rare event where your use case demands more than 30 days, you can talk to us, but we exp- we do recommend that you don't go beyond 30 days. You see the red button there, which is Rotate CA? That button is also, um, as I was talking about earlier, we have a unique root CA per group. And in the event that a server certificate which was signed by a previous root CA happens to be compromised, you guys are in total control. We provide a Rotate CA API that you can use to rotate to recreate a new root CA certificate. And automatically that invalidates the uh, the previously created server certificate. So we're gonna switch back to Reddit screen, who's gonna show you in real time how we can go back and um, recreate the root CA. So with this particular group, we already had created a uh, certificate authority. And when you ask it to create the certificate authority one more time, at this point, what you see here is, is creating a new root CA for you and that invalidates the previous server certificates. Coming back to the presentation. So great, Bringra's core server certificate is there. You have the root CA. It's rotated. It's all secure. Now you need to advertise yourself. Now I have a gateway set up in the hospital. That gateway is controlling one zone. As a patient walks in, they can connect to this gateway and take advantage of it, of the Lambda that's running on it that can send SMS to doctor. But how do I make sure that these Gateway is advertised. It's discoverable by a blood monitor, uh, the blood pressure monitor, which is running Amazon FreeRTOS. That's where discoverability comes into picture. You have to, the Gateway has to upload its connectivity information. Connectivity information is IP address and port, or DNS name. And it also has to upload the root CF for that particular group, so that when the Gateway represents server cert to the IoT device, it can validate the certificate by, by checking the signature with the root CA. We provide two options for uploading the connectivity information. One, it's automatic. So if you select automatic option on the console (coughs) or in the configuration of deployment, in the simple use gateway or your Greengrass core is not behind a NAT or your IP is not changing quite often, just select automatic. And whatever we get by IP address show, we upload one or many IP addresses to the cloud. If you do have a complicated network topology, you have a Greengrass core behind an NAT, or your IP address is changing quite often, or our recommended option, which is if you have a capability to set up a local DNS server, you can manually override the automatic detection of IP address. And we're going to switch back to Redesk Screen, who's going to actually show you how you can create a JSON file, put all the connectivity information in it, be whether it is a local DNS server, or be is it IP address, and how do you Uh, upload that connectivity to the cloud using the CLI. So here's the connectivity information JSON that Reda has created. As you can see, we we can have multiple entries here. The the point that I would like you to note here is this metadata. You can see it's a string that you can provide. It's a very useful field when you have multiple connectivity information. Imagine you are operating thousands of um, local IoT devices running Amazon FreeRTOS on a given hospital floor. You want to divide up subgroups, every room, and you want to have multi-home Greengrass core that manages that. You can put a metadata room one, room two, and make sure that the group of devices in room one connect using a different IP address than the group of devices in room two. So that's a neat field that you have that you can leverage for doing that. Coming back to the presentation. Now, you either use automatic or manual that Reda just showed. Once you upload this information to the cloud, now you can discover existing Greengrass core device from an Amazon FreeRTOS device. So if a patient walked in, they put a blood monitor, uh, pressure monitor on it. Let's say the, uh, the uh, Amazon FreeRTOS device had a internet connectivity, and you happen to use one of our uh, Greengrass uh, SDKs, C++ Python, which has inbuilt discovery capability, it will auto-discover it, or sometimes we understand you have use cases where you want to use your own stack. In AWS, we don't try to lock you down, uh, lock you down into our products. If you, we use open standard uh, MQTT and uh, TLS stack, if you bring your own stack and you want to manually configure connectivity and root CA information, you can uh, configure the local endpoint yourself. How do you get the root CA, though? That's one of the cu- uh, questions that came up to me uh, in a conversation with a customer yesterday. So I'm going to show you, switching back to Redis screen here we provide another API where you can retrieve a root CA. So you can list all the CA that is associated with your group first, and then you can fetch the actual certificate for that particular <coughs> CA. This is a public certificate. It's going to be a text file that you see here. You can copy this and configure your local stack that you, of your choice. And once you configure it with it, uh, your uh, MQTT and TLS stack connecting to Greengrass Core would be able to validate the certificate using this particular root CA. So going back to presentation, once you have discovered Greengrass Core, which means you have discovered the IP address of the DNS name, and you have discovered the root CA, you can go ahead and do MQTT Connect, and uh, mutual authentication goes through. Uh, remember, when you deployed, I mentioned, you're not just deploying Lambda to Greengrass Core. You're also deploying IoT device to Greengrass Core. What does that mean? IoT device is a physical device. What does the deployment mean? Well, in this case, you're telling Greengrass core to trust a certain IoT device should it connect to it. So once you had configured your group and deployed an IoT device, and now that IoT device is trying to connect to Greengrass core, it is going to accept the connection. So at this point, let's have a recap. We talked about a lot of concepts, drinking from the hose. I'm going to recap for you guys. Start on the left side here. So start with A, Greengrass service role is something that you create one time, you create a role, you provide Greengrass access to your IoT and Lambda so we can deploy it for you. B is a client certificate, it's an IoT client certificate that you will manually provision for the one time so Greengrass core can connect to AWS Greengrass and AWS IoT. C is a client certificate you'll put in local IoT device, such as Amazon FreeRTOS device. That uh, is also a one-time configuration for the IoT device to connect to AWS Greengrass and IoT. D is a group role. This is something you only need if you want your Lambda to access AWS services. If you don't need that, you don't need to associate it. But if you do, we provide a functionality to configure it. So every time the Lambda is invoked, the AWS credentials are managed for you. And E is a core root CA. We understand it's very complicated to manage public key, private key, regenerated, rotated. That's why we do it for you. All right, so I'm going to conclude my slide. Hopefully, uh, uh, this was useful, guys. So I'm going to conclude with some best practices. At AWS, we believe security is a shared responsibility between us and our customers. Um, As you can see, everything after you connect to cloud, uh, we are managing all the security credentials for you. However, we do give you some configuration options and we want you to be mindful of using the security best practices, such as server certificate lifetime. We would like you to keep it as short as possible. Make sure your server creds are rotated very often. AWS IoT provides you a mechanism to revoke a client cert. Should you decide that some IoT device, such as Greengrass Core, is, uh, has become rogue, you don't want it to connect anymore, you can revoke the client cert. Hard Rotate Root CA is a unique operation you can do on Greengrass Core because we create root CA which is very unique to your um, group. Now keep in mind, when you hard rotate your root CA or recreate your root CA, it is not effective until all the IoT devices in that group rediscover the new root CA, which is why we also recommend (laughs) from your IoT device, discover often. Whether you are using your open standard, uh, open stack okay. yourself, or using one of our SDKs, please our discover board. often. See you coming. And last you. is scope down the group role policy. If you do need cards. to do some AWS operations from your Greengrass group, make sure you allow policy in the policy only operations that you need. So if you have one group that talks to Amazon SNS, another group that wants to talk to Amazon S3 to upload some files, keep those policies separate. We believe in least privilege uh, principle. Uh, for security, and they'll keep the operations super secure. So with that, uh, Dan's coming up here. We're going to do a cool demo, a hands-down demo. I'm just going to show you from Amazon FreeRTOS device how to discover Grass Core, all the concepts I talked about. You can are going uh, to uh, see it uh, in action. Thank you.
2: DAN job. Hi guys, my name is Dan Griffin. I'm a senior software engineer on the Amazon FreeRTOS team. Uh, I work on software security. I contributed to, uh, in the Amazon FreeRTOS libraries, our secure socket interface, uh, our TLS interface, uh, as well as our PKCS11 cryptographic interface, which we use uh, for manipulating cryptographic objects like uh, the device private key or, or private keys. Uh, as well as the device thing certificate, uh, which uh, Jimmy just talked a little bit about the, the configuration aspect of that. And, um, and, and with that discussion in mind, uh, in Sham's part of the presentation, kind of setting up this hospital heart sensor scenario, uh, and also with what Jimmy and Rada just discussed with setting up the mutual device certificate trust between the green grass core and the device, the heart sensor, as well as between the heart sensor and the cloud. Let's do a demo. The demo uses a microcontroller developer board running on Amazon, which is running Amazon FreeRTOS. It's here hidden behind one of these laptops. Right here. Uh, and in order to build and deploy the code to the microcontroller board, uh, I'm using. Uh, actually an open source IDE, uh, which is appropriate for that board uh, provided by the board manufacturer. Um, and what I've done is, is I downloaded the, the reference application, the sample application for Green Gas Discovery from AWS IoT. I'll actually show you that uh, at the end of my uh, section here. Um, I configured my um, device with a credential and with the endpoint information for my AWS IoT account. Uh I did a full build so you don't have to sit and watch all the code build. Um and then I basically at this point I'm ready to just burn the firmware image onto the device and run it in the debugger. So at that point I'm going to switch to this other laptop which probably locked in the meantime. Apologies for that. And I'm going to make sure that my hotspot is still good to go because I'm using my cell phone to bridge my device. Yep, we're good to go. Okay. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to click the debug button in my IDE. The device is connected via uh, its JTAG interface over USB to my laptop, uh, which is how the IDE is going to write the firmware image to the developer board. Uh, So what the IDE is doing is typical IDE behavior where it's checking if I've changed any of the files since I I last built, which I have not. Um, And then since I'm running in the debugger, what it's doing now is it's uh, basically stopping at the first line of user code in my main entry point. Um, And so at this point, since um, it hasn't done anything actually interesting yet, I'm going to press the big green go button. And what I'm going to show you... um, is as the application runs, what I'm expecting it's going to do is it's going to discover a Greengrass core, and it's going to pull out the endpoint information and server certificate that Jimmy showed in the Greengrass configuration. It's going to mutually authenticate um, to the Greengrass core, and over that mutual, that that TLS tunnel, it's going to send uh, MQTT traffic, and in our... um, kind of simulating the hospital environment, Um, the idea is that this is the heart rate sensor on Sham because he's sick. Um, And the heart rate sensor detects that that there's an anomalous measurement. And what it does is it starts peppering the doctor on duty with a bunch of text messages, uh, which you can see showing up on my phone right there. And we're sending five of them just to make sure it's really clear that something is wrong. Um, So uh, that's the the closest I'm going to get ever to to play a doctor uh, was right there. So I'm the doctor. I got the text messages. Uh, Something's wrong with the patient. So anyway, let's switch back to the slides. Um, Okay, great. So my hope is that after this presentation, um, having seen the demo run, and again, I'll I'll show you how to get that far uh, in the next slide after this, but what I wanted to... What I wanted to show you in this slide, since you've just seen the console output uh, from the JTAG interface coming from the developer board as it ran through the application, did the discovery, did the MQTT, the MQTT triggered a Lambda on the the Greengrass core, the Lambda sent me my text messages on my cell phone. Bear that in mind, what this slide is showing you is, is really just the API flow and the Amazon FreeRTOS libraries for doing just that. And the point here, um, to me, actually, is that despite the potential complexity of performing Greengrass Discovery, and keep in mind this is a microcontroller, uh, there's a number of protocols that you just saw get, get used. Uh, TCPIP, TLS, uh, very simple HTTP, uh, HTTP get call, JSON parsing for the Greengrass Discovery document, MQTT, Um, all of the Amazon FreeRTOS libraries really take care of that complexity for you. And in fact, what you see on the left side of the diagram is really the only thing that the, those are the the steps that the user application needs to take. The, the kind of the, the, the details on the right side of the diagram are really just the API calls that are being made on your behalf. But again, I'm including them here because I encourage you to step through the code. I really encourage you to, to check this out, download the code, run it in IDE, step through the code, see it working, the main point on the API call flow on the left hand side that I think will really help you understand how FreeRTOS works in a network aware application is to know that on a typical microcontroller based product, when your code reaches the C runtime main entry point, odds are your network stack is not yet initialized. So you can't just start firing off packets at that point, typically. And the way FreeRTOS helps you deal with that um, potential timing issue is it actually has a built-in callback. And that's the callback in this, uh, the second box on the left-hand side there, um, which is v, application IP network Event hook. Uh, so not the world's shortest name, but um, very useful. And what that does is it gives you various notifications to say network is up, network is down. Um, what this application is doing um, in response to the network is up notification is then calling out to the Greengrass Discovery API, that's in the upper right-hand corner of the slide here. And really, although again it's kind of uh, weird-looking API names, it's actually pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the first step is is um, we're reaching out to your AWS IoT endpoint. We are downloading the discovery document that's appropriate for this device. Uh, we're Running through the JSON, and um, we're basically doing a, th- what you see here, this start get size and get file and the JSON API there, is basically because it's just doing a tokenizer. Um, and it pulls out um, the relevant details here being, again, uh, the Greengrass endpoint information. Um, in our library, it could either be an IP address, uh, or a DNS name, or a mix thereof, if there are multiple endpoints. It's basically just the way the application is written right now, it's just gonna connect to the first one that responds. And then finally, the bottom left hand is that once we have that endpoint and that server certificate, we call our MQTT API. Our MQTT API runs as uh, an agent in a parallel task, and I'll dig into that in a little more detail in the next slide, uh, and, and is really just doing, again, uh, creating the agent, which starts up the task that runs the MQTT, uh, basically the, uh, the MQTT state machine. Does it connect to the Greengrass core? publishes five messages to the Greengrass core, each of which resulted in a text message to my cell phone, does a disconnect, and then does a delete, which is kind of redundant in this application, but we include delete in in all of our references. More generally, we include rundown code in all of our reference applications so you can track memory leaks. Speaking of memory, uh, when you're designing a microcontroller-based product, memory is relatively very expensive. So what I wanted to capture in this slide is some rough measurements that I took from the application that I just showed you. And since my background is in cryptographic integration, uh, the pivot here is on what kind of private key I'm using to uh, authenticate the device. Uh, Did I create, uh, in the first two columns, um, did I create an RSA key and then ran the application through using an RSA client key, and then in The second two columns, columns three and four, I used an ECC, uh, specifically an ECDSA uh, 256-bit key to authenticate the device. Uh, In the RSA case, it was a 2048-bit key. And what you can see is that um, the two rows, there's an application FreeRTOS task, which is running all the Greengrass API stuff you saw on the previous slide. And then there's an MQTT task, which is running the MQTT state machine, as I just mentioned. Regardless of the key type, interestingly, the stack footprint of both of those tasks stays about the same. Uh, You see it comes out out to about 11 kilobytes. It's the heap where we see a really interesting uh, difference. Um, And, of course, for many of you, this will be no surprise, but... There's actually 5K more heap required to do 2048-bit RSA calculation. Um, When you're doing TLS client authentication, basically you're doing an RSA signing operation, okay? Versus using that 256-bit ECDSA key used about 5K less than the RSA uh, calculation. And that's in, uh, we have our TLS library configured to do uh, as much of its operation in heap as possible. So two points Um, In addition to that 5K difference for the different crypto system, two additional points I wanna make here. One is that most of our launch developer boards for FreeRTOS V1 actually allow you to offload TLS completely to your Wi-Fi chip. That is not what I showed here because I kinda wanted to show the the interesting swing in, in, in memory footprint based on the configuration that we have in the sample application, which in all honesty is intentionally not meant to be lean and mean. We want to show, you know, kind of, kind of feature set, right? But if you were to offload the full TLS stack and cryptographic um, signing operation to a separate core, you'd actually save about 40K of RAM. <laughs> so it's a huge difference, a huge difference. And then that brings me to the second point. When you consider that when you add up all these numbers together, which you know, you're getting like between, let's say, 60 and 70K, actually the operating system is taking a little bit more memory than what's reflected in this um, table because there's like the schedule and stuff like that. But really for this whole firmware image, you're talking about uh, you know, a footprint of about 70K, uh, 70 kilobytes of RAM. Um, try to do all of what we just did in 70 kilobytes on Linux. Okay, how do I get started? Um, actually, I do want to switch to my, um, we have just enough time. I want to switch my laptop again because I want to show you how to download the code and get started. You can see my camera running here. Um, here's how you get started. Sign into the AWS console. Go to the IoT console. Click on software, which is on the bottom left. In Amazon FreeRTOS device software, click Configure Download. And what I am using, if you scroll down a little bit, is you see these connect to AWS Greengrass for our various launch ports. There is a Windows simulator. You can do everything I just did without even buying a developer board, although I do encourage you to buy a developer board. But anyway, you can run it in a simulator, which is, uh, just runs in Visual Studio on Windows. So that's super, super easy. I also encourage you, again, you know, you can't really learn about embedded development until you get your hands dirty. So buy one of the developer boards from one of our launch partners. Download the package, it's a zip file. Then you're gonna open the appropriate IDE for that board. You're gonna import the project that's in the demo subfolder and your IDE will recognize it. All the IDEs, you know, if you, if you tell it, look in this folder, it'll recursively search through the folder for a project file it recognizes. Now, there's two files you have to look for. This is all on the online documentation. But anyway, there's two files you have to look for. One is AWSClientCredential.h. You're going to put your AWS IoT Broker Endpoint here so that Greengrass Discovery works, or if you do one of the MQTT uh, samples. You need to put your thing name here. This needs to match the thing that you create in the IoT registry when you set this up. And you need to put your Wi-Fi network ID here. So in my case, I used Dan's iPhone because I was doing a hotspot to do this demo. Your password, if applicable. We do support open Wi-Fi if you want to live dangerously. And speaking of live dangerously, uh, just because we want to let developers get up and running, quick and dirty, we actually allow you to paste and statically compile in base 64 encoded client certificate and client private key. Please do not do that in production. But anyway, this is just a way so people can get started really fast. Build the code, run it, good to go. Please download one of the projects I just showed. Give this a shot. Uh, I hope you've learned a little bit about some of the trade offs in Greengrass configuration. I hope you've learned a little bit about some of the trade-offs in cryptographic uh, configuration of your device, key types, offload, the, the cost of a separate part for doing offload versus the cost of extra RAM on your main MCU. And then likewise, you know, not only connecting to the Greengrass core, but also taking advantage of all the additional services that you have access to in AWS from just a tiny device by going through that proxy, so to speak. Thank you very much. Uh, questions, please. Everyone else will, will join and uh, we're, we're happy to take whatever you got. Please. I'm not running Greengrass Core on my laptop. Um, can, you show,
1: can you show the Raspberry Pi? Oh,
2: it's on dc I'm not using a Raspberry Pi either. <laughs> I'm actually running Greengrass Core in the so, cloud. Uh, so
1: the question was just for the online audience, uh, the recording the question was, are we running the Greengrass is, Was Dan running Greengrass Core on laptop or not? No, uh,
2: you, you busted me. I'm actually running Greengrass core uh, on, a, on a Linux server uh, on the internet. In, in EC2, of course.
1: Any more questions?
2: There was one over here. about use to the hardware root of trust and TPM?
1: So the question is can we talk about the hardware root of trust and TPM when we talk about going all the way from Amazon FreeRTOS to Greengrass to the cloud? Yeah, hardware trust
2: to Gateway to. I'll start with the, the device and then I'll let Jimmy do the Greengrass one. So, on the device side, the idea behind our uh, support for PKCS, you might say our bet on PKCS 11, uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's a, a standard based cryptographic API. Um, is for a, a TPM-based solution or TPM-like solution, let's say like uh, ARM V8 running, running in a T, trusted execution environment. However you want to manage your private keys or however a, a, a vendor or, or, or a fab wants to manage their private keys on that core, the idea is they, they just have to expose the, you know, the, basically the, the load key and the signing operation in PKCS11 and all of the APIs above that in our stack are just going to work. The yeah, side. And,
1: and working with Greengrass right now, just uh, TPM integration is not supported yet, but working with uh, some of our customers who are going with Greengrass in production, there are a lot of other uh, security areas that we are addressing, like secure boot environment. A lot of customers actually have that to protect the keys uh, that they are leveraging right now, uh, rotating the keys quite often. And uh, TPM is one of, one of uh, the things on our roadmap, along with other uh, security related enhancements that uh, that uh, we have on the roadmap right now.
2: Yeah for the uh something is going to get SDF microcontroller app and you have it's a CD frontend Wi-Fi cheap TR use it or we you use any frontend wifi chip repeat the question. Uh, yeah sorry thank you. Yeah. Uh the question was about um in the particular board I'm showing is um The developer launch board. So what I demonstrated on is the developer launch board we have with STMicro. It, it, I mean, yeah, of course, to your point, this this board comes with a Wi-Fi chip. It happens to be from Inventech. It's kind of a similar answer in terms of supporting other Wi-Fi chips. The idea is that what we provide to our customer applications using Amazon FreeRTOS is a Berkeley Sockets-based interface. And as long as the vendor, makes it so that your, your kind of transport send and receive are ported to that Berkeley Sockets interface, which again is like send, receive, open, close, shut down, that kind of thing. Then again, all of the API, la- API layers above that are just gonna work. So we've got the four launch boards um, you know, in our V1. All that hard work has already been done. There presumably would be some amount of work to kind of get that basic send and receive and connect kind of behavior on the Wi-Fi end to go to a new, a new chip. I don't know if I'm answering your question.
0: I could probably add some color to that also, is um, the, what we have with the boards that we have right now is we're uh, pre-qualifying them. So we have a gamut of tests that we go through. And so today's um, launch is um, these boards in that configuration, so the ST board with the InvenTech Wi-Fi. Um, the NXP board with the Wi-Fi that it has. Um, so if you want to sort of um, think about bringing your own Wi-Fi, as Dan mentioned, as long as it, you, you have to do the porting to that layer, and then the rest of it will work. Um, we are looking at, and you know, love your feedback um, offline as well, uh, how do we think about qualifying not necessarily the whole combination, because typically embedded uh, developers, as they go to production, from a developer board, you're picking specific parts, um, based on a number of reasons, right? Power usage, cost, and so on and so forth. You might end up with a Wi-Fi module that's not the same as what the dev board has. Um, and so we're looking at expanding um, how do we think about qualification um, without sort of making that combinatorial explosion too crazy. Um, so that's something we're looking at. But currently existing AWS IoT SDKs, there are a couple of boards from Cypress and and everything. Right. Yeah, um, the, the starter kits I think you were talking about um, So that the starter kit program um, each of our partners went ahead and did the full porting of the CSGK um, those are um, uh, all um, I guess uh, useful but they are not using Amazon free art House necessarily um, so we are engaged with all those partners and so we should just stay tuned I guess is all I can say
2: Uh, sorry, timers, yes. Uh, GPIO, I don't think we shipped with the GPIO driver, yeah. but uh, um, I think, well, I don't know which of our boards have a GPIO driver. I'm actually not sure, I have to admit.
0: So um, I'll step back and answer the question more generally, which is all um, local peripheral access and hardware access itself. Um, today, other than, the, so, so we've abstracted away, as you can see, the network, key storage, Um, through PKCS and TLS and all of that, we have not abstracted away anything that is local access, so you'll work with the vendors, SDKs typically, um, and like the ST board that, um, for example, um, Dan is doing, the project has essentially STM uh, 32 uh, libraries in there, so you can use the I2C.h from STM, and you can use all of that um, IO functionality. Um, If you're um interested in scenarios where you know you're looking at maybe an abstraction there talk to us let us know
2: uh in, in the in the front we favor the people in the front how <laughs> do uh, you uh how to support these divisions the prior possibilities that is it that it's sent
0: to one of a running
2: on a for example so, I'm sorry can can you repeat Yes. Yes. So, so uh, FreeRTOS does support, uh, sorry, re- repeating the question, thank you. Uh, power considerations for our demo applications. Uh, I, I think I kind of alluded when I, was, when I was talking about memory footprint. Our demo applications are not optimized in that way. Uh, I- intentionally more about feature set than about reducing power or reducing memory. Uh, but yes, FreeRTOS does um, offer low power mode. We do offer um, basically allowing you to, to do the scheduling in your application that you need to do to shut down tasks um, and, and, and to, to, to minimize your power usage. It, that, in my experience, that ends up being an application-specific uh, consideration, and we've given you the tools to do the right thing in your app. Sorry if that's kind of an indirect.
0: OK. Uh, I'll maybe Please. add one more yeah. thing. In the FreeRTOS kernel itself, um, there's uh, support for you know, um, being efficient um, in your application and task management, Um, and there's this mode called tickless idle where um, even when you're going to idle instead of having to wake up each time to process the hardware interrupts, you can sort of say, okay, give me, um, when it's ready, you put it in um, idle mode and it'll wake you up when needed instead of having to process power on each of the ticks. So there's a few different features inside FreeRTOS as well that uh, you can look at the FreeRTOS kernel documentation um, and leverage that.
1: Someone here is trying
0: so to ask. A okay. Oh, sorry. All right.
2: <laughs> whoever, whoever. Yeah. whoever. I mean,
0: All right. I mean, let's I mean, let's have that person go in. What's your view on that? But, uh, for, the for, for, so the yeah.
1: question is about over the air firmware updates
0: of Amazon FreeRTOS. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Green we you just launched that, right?
1: We we just launched over the software update for Greengrass in V1.3. So folks, try it out.
0: Uh, for FreeRTOS, um, in the next few weeks, um, you'll see an initial beta release of our over-the-air update feature um, where we combine uh, the ability to have a new firmware version for uh, FreeRTOS, upload it, get it signed, get it scheduled for a deployment using the IoT device management features that were also announced yesterday, and have that sent down to the device integrated with the bootloaders um, and the validation techniques that each of the boards individually has. Um, So you'll you'll see a beta of that in the coming few weeks. Um, uh, We don't have a GA date yet.
1: And just to, re- uh, just to understand the question, uh, are you, is the question about provisioning Greengrass core itself, or the IoT device connecting to Greengrass core, or both? Uh, the devices,
2: basically.
1: Devices. So the
0: core, assuming, has to have mm-hmm. connectivity to
1: the cloud. Sure. And somehow, you have the OK. I understand the question now. So I'm going to repeat the question. So the question is, uh, uh, IoT device, which is trying to connect to the cloud via Greengrass core, how do you provision the IoT device? That's the question. Okay. Uh, it, the, the mechanism of provisioning one-time IoT client cert either on Greengrass core or on IoT device, which is connected to Greengrass core, is exactly the same. Because in reality, Greengrass core is an IoT device. So remember when I was talking about you know, one time to connect Greengrass core to uh, AWS IoT? You provision it with uh, a client cert. Um, It's the same mechanism you would use. Even if if you're not connecting the um, IoT device to the internet directly, it's the same cert that Greengrass Core will also honor, as long as that IoT device has been added and deployed to the Greengrass Core. So if you went to the Greengrass Core group on the console or using CLI, if you add an IoT device, you're essentially telling the Greengrass Core to accept that incoming connection which means that that cert that you downloaded from IoT and provision on the IoT device when it presents to Greengrass Core, as long as it was part of the group, the the authentication is going to go through. How does
2: the device get the server
1: certificate? Or do do I have to put it beforehand somehow? So device, the IoT device getting Greengrass Core's server cert, cert, the group certificate, so when local device so the question is again, how does, how does the server cert authentication work between local IoT device and local Greengrass Core? Um, the server certificate, as I said, for the Greengrass Core is managed by us, which means we created, we provision it on your behalf. when the connection request comes from local IoT device to Greengrass Core, right? At that point, mutual authentication call flow kicks off, and Greengrass Core is going to present server cert to local IoT device. Now remember, I recommended you do a discovery. Discovery, uh, either if you have internet connection, you can do discovery, or you can manually provision root CA. If you do not have internet connectivity, one of those methods, the root CA has to be provisioned on the local IoT device, and that, yeah, and that's the mechanism that it's going to validate the, the. Or
0: you could build like an, a, a mobile application, for example, during the deployment process that, that fetches yeah. it, which has connectivity. And then you would push that down to the free device yep. through your provisioning app. Okay. Right. Do you envision having
1: multiple green grass core topologies? Is that the only topology you support? So, right? Yeah. Or app or Absolutely. So, the question is about um, do we support the hierarchy, multiple tiers, in, uh, do we support advanced topology? Uh, Of course, we support, uh, so right now we support what we call hub and spoke topology, which means in a given Greengrass group, we only support one core at this moment. Stay tuned, things might change. Uh, Right now, we only support one core per group and uh, you can uh, configure as many Amazon free RTOS devices or local IoT devices as you want in that particular group. Yep. Not yet. The question was, does the of network stack support IPv6?
2: And the answer is not yet.
1: <laughs>
2: yes, we're working on that. <laughs> kind
1: of. <laughs> there, is, yeah. there is a hand going up here first. I'm going to get there. The question is about S2N. Do we have plans?
2: Yes. Oh, yes, sorry. Well, Jimmy repeated the question. It's so hard to repeat the question. Yes, we have plans to support S2N. It's not quite, you, I don't know if you've been tracking S2N on GitHub. I mean, it's, it's on GitHub, right? It's all public. Um, all right, we're getting the time, the, the, the time notification. Anyway, S2N doesn't quite have a fully self-contained client implementation yet with X509 and crypto. We're working on that. All right, they're telling right, us guys, to get off.
1: Thank you, you very much, guys. Offline. We are getting out of time. But thanks, yeah. thank you very much for coming for this session, and I hope you'll it.
0: Thank you.